Good morning, everybody. It's so awesome to be here with you. I don't know about you, but I could watch that over and over. I just need to watch that the first thing every morning um, to get me fired up. Amen? Um, I'm so excited. I do get to go around and, and teach the Word to a lot of different places, but there's something different about teaching it in your home church, in your home base. There's something special about this place, and I know you guys know it too. And a big part of that is our pastors, Blake and Allie Bergstrom. Do we understand how amazingly blessed we are to be led by the best? One of my favorite things about them is they do it as a family. Their whole family is up here. They're leading worship. They're using all of their gifts, which tells me what is going on and what Blake teaches every single week is living out at home. And that inspires me and encourages me. And so from my heart, because I got the stage today, I want to say thank you, Blake and Allie. You guys are the best. So you guys ready to get into the word a little bit today? Um, Join me in a word of prayer and we'll ask Jesus to join us right here, right now. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to gather with local believers and gather together in your name. God, it is my prayer that your Holy Spirit come upon this place without limit. I pray that your word take root into our hearts. Let it not fall on rocky soil. Let it not fall on anything but good soil, good ground. Let it take root. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit move in such a way that you get personal with us because you are a personal May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, may they be pleasing to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I don't know about you, but I've absolutely loved the Magnificent Moment series, right? I'm excited for the next one, but man, I have loved the Magnificent Moment series. I have loved learning about Jesus at the well. I've loved learning about Jesus um, on the water. I've loved learning about Jesus at the wedding. But I can't help but ask the question, what about Jesus in the wilderness? Can we have a magnificent moment in the wilderness? Can something be painful and be magnificent? Can something that is hard end up being magnificent? Something that's overwhelming, can it be magnificent? Can walking through the wilderness be magnificent? For many of you, you're sitting there going, nope. It can't. You don't know the wilderness of my job right now. You don't know the wilderness of raising my kids right now. You don't know the wilderness of my loneliness right now. And guess what? I don't. I don't know what you're personally going through. But here's what I do know. It's easier to focus on the waves that are hitting us instead of the God who is holding us. It's easier to focus on the empty jars, the things that we don't, we, we don't have anything left to give. Where, where's the, where's the, the wine instead of the God who turns the water into wine? It's easier to focus on our own wilderness and our own struggles and our own pain instead of the God who walks in the wilderness first. I'm here to tell you, it is possible to have magnificent moments when you're walking through the wilderness with Jesus. It's possible to have magnificent moments when you're walking through the wilderness with 
Jesus. If you have your Bible, you can open it up. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 4 today. I'm going to start in verse 1. And we're going to take a look at Jesus' magnificent moment when he walked through the wilderness and how he overcome the enemy and how he's going to teach us to overcome the enemy when we're walking through ours. I'm going to start in verse 1. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. I'm going to stop right now because... The first thing that I want us to know and learn right now is Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit no matter what he did. His magnificent moment in the wilderness started with him being led by the Spirit. We see all throughout Scripture, no matter what Jesus did, no matter where he went, whether he decided to go or whether he decided to stay, who he talked to, who he didn't, what he said no to, what he said yes to, who he hung out with, who he listened to, and what he listened to. Even being led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, Jesus was always led by the Spirit. And the question I have to ask us is what leads us? A lot of times when we find ourselves in the wilderness, it's not the spirit that takes over. Emotions can lead us. The news can lead us. Social media can lead us. For me personally, I grew up in a a performance house because my dad, military, turned football coach. Then I married a coach. Then I got into sports ministry. It's all about performance. So when I found myself in a wilderness, I revert back to what I know, what what I'm comfortable with, and it's performance. Performance can lead me. If I just work harder, if I just try harder, if I just do more, if I just perform better, then everything will work out. But performance-led is like a treadmill. Performance-led is being like on a treadmill. When, When we get on there, we're tired. We never go anywhere. And it just keeps demanding more. Performance makes a bad leader. For me, fear can also lead me alongside of its buddies' anxiety and toxic thinking and emotions. And it takes me down a path that I don't want to be on. Fear makes a bad leader. We're not called to be led by fear. When he says, I did not give you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. Fear makes a bad leader. But Jesus, whether it was in the wilderness to fight for us against the enemy or all the way to the cross to die for us, he was always led by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's when we get some magnificent moments in the wilderness is when we let the Spirit lead us through it. We can have magnificent moments when we let God lead us. But we can also have magnificent moments when we let the Lord lead define us. Here's what happens in the story, verse 3. It says, During that time the devil came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Verse 5, Then the devil took him to the holy city of Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. If you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God. See, that's what happened in Matthew chapter 4, but you want to know what happened in Matthew chapter 3? Right before that, in verse 16, Jesus gets baptized by John the Baptist, and he comes out of the water, and here's what it says. The heavens were opened up, 
And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. It is not if you are the Son of God. He says, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. Before Jesus ever performed a miracle, before he ever became part of a magnificent moment, his Father defined him. His Father gave him his identity. The enemy didn't get to question what God had made definite. And I don't know about you, it wasn't true for Jesus then, and it's not true for Jesus now. If the enemy can get us to doubt who we are, then he can get us to doubt what we were created to do. If he can get you to doubt your identity, he can get you to doubt your purpose. The enemy wants us to be defined by everything else except God. For the past eight or so years, I have been a chaplain in the MBA for their wives. And when I was with the Oklahoma City Thunder, they had me do the opening prayer before the Thunder's Lakers game. And there are Lakers fans everywhere. I mean, and they're crazy. They are crazy. They, it's legitimate. They're crazy. And they had me wait in the opposing team's tunnel where their locker room is. As they come out, they had me wait in there before it was my time to go out and give the prayer before the game. And as I was sitting there and people were lining up all above, who's going to be the next Laker coming out? Could I get a, could I get a touch? Could, could I get an autograph? Could I get a selfie? Something. And they tell me it's time to go out and stand by the court before the prayer. So I start walking out the tunnel. As I start walking out, there's people all above me, and I hear them say, here comes somebody, here comes somebody. I'm like, heck yeah, here comes somebody. I'm feeling good about myself. And about that time, they get a glimpse that it's a 5'3 white girl um, that is not a Laker. I actually hear them say, never mind, it's nobody. I went from a somebody to a nobody in two seconds. Nobody gets to define you except for the one who created you. Nobody gets to define you except for the God who created you. Your job doesn't get to define you. Your family doesn't get to define you. Your grades don't get to define you. Your social media followers don't get to define you. Your bank account doesn't get to define you. Your past doesn't get to define you. Nobody gets to define you except for the living God who gave life to you. You want to have magnificent moments in the wilderness? Let God lead you. Let God define you. The enemy doesn't get to say, if you are good enough. When God says, you have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer you who lives, but it is Christ who lives within you. The enemy doesn't get to say, if you are worthy. When God himself for what said, while you were still sinner, I died for you. The world doesn't get to say, if God loves you. When God says, there is no greater love than that which would lay his life down for his friends. And guess what? I did it. I did it. I laid my life for you to not just call you friend, but to call you son and daughter. You are children of the living God because of Christ. And because he defined us at the cross, the enemy doesn't get to take that away from us in this world. Are you walking through a wilderness today? 
I'm here to tell you it's possible because of Christ to have magnificent moments in it. When we let God lead us, when we let God define us, and when we know that the Lord fights for us. Here's what Jesus said when the enemy comes at him with everything he's got. Jesus said in verse 4, Jesus told him, nope, the scriptures say, verse 7, Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, verse 10, it says, get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him, for the scriptures say. You know what else the scriptures say? That we have an enemy who's out to kill, steal, and destroy us. He's not out to annoy us. He's not out to discourage us. He's out to take us out. And I don't know about you, but I can look at the world and you know it's broken. You turn on the news and you see a school and you know it's broken. You turn on the TV and you see a grocery store being shot up and you know this world is broken and we can feel like we're living in one big wilderness. Why? Because we are in a spiritual battle. We're in a spiritual battle. We're in a war because Jesus, the same enemy in his wilderness, is the same enemy in ours, and it's a battle. Good news. Good news, though. Ephesians chapter 6, he says, I've given you everything that you need to face the battle that you're in. He says, I've given you the helmet of salvation. I've given you the breastplate of righteousness. I've given you the shield of faith and the belt of truth and the shoes of peace. And I've given you your one weapon. I'm not going to leave you weaponless. I've given you your one weapon. You know what it is? The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The word of God. If we do not know what is in here, how are we going to overcome what is out there? But I'm here to tell you, when you do know what's in here, you can face anything the enemy throws at us out there. You guys, I understand the battle. I promise I do. We walk through many of our wildernesses, promise. I've been married for 24 years. I love that man. 24 years. Happily for 21. Because it's a battle, right? We have five kids. The oldest one we got when he was 16 when both of his parents passed away. It's a battle. Our youngest one, we started fostering when he was five. He went through four different foster homes before he came to us. He experienced more trauma in his first five years of life than anybody ever should. It's a battle. We've experienced multiple miscarriages. I understand the wilderness. I understand the battle. But doing life with Jesus doesn't mean the end of problems. It means the end of facing problems alone. Doing life, this life, doesn't mean the end of problems. Just because we surrender our life to Jesus, it doesn't make the problems go away. But we never have to face any problem alone again. In the middle of the broken world, we have Jesus. In the middle of the war where it seems like every time we turn on the TV that the enemy is winning, we still have Jesus. When we are overwhelmed with the wilderness that we ourselves are in and we're tired and we're weary, we have Jesus. Do not forget we have Jesus. We have Jesus. 
these words of Jesus that, that I uh, read over and over a lot of times, reminding me of his presence, his power, and his protection. In John 16, he says, in this world, you will have trouble. But we often put a period instead of the comma that it actually has. We don't have to focus on the trouble. He says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. That Greek word for take heart is tharsia, which means be of good cheer or have comfort. Have comfort. Be of good cheer. Even though there is trouble in this world, take a heart. Tharsia, I have overcome the world. We're not going to walk around defeated because of the wilderness that we're in. We're not going to walk around with our, with our Eeyore, Eeyore faces because we serve a God who says, yes, in this world you will have trouble, but Tharsio, take comfort. I have overcome the world. We have Jesus, and we will not grieve what's going on in our world like we do not have hope because as long as we have Jesus, we have all the hope in the world that we need. Amen. We have Jesus. What I love about part of this story is when Jesus comes out of the wilderness, he's coming out and from his fast, and verse 11 it says, Then the devil went away, and angels came and took care of Jesus. In my Bible, there's a caption before it goes on to the next verse, and it says this, The ministry of Jesus begins. The magnificent moment in the wilderness is what started Jesus' magnificent moments in the rest of his life in the world. It started in the wilderness. We can experience magnificent moments in the wilderness because we serve a God who's the author and the perfecter of our faith that shows us There's a story of a missionary who found himself, he was new to this area, he found himself lost, lost in this jungle. He was going to get water and he couldn't find his way back. He found himself lost. As he was trying to find his way back, he came across a bushman. He says, sir, I'm a missionary at the missionary camp. Is there any way that you could help me find myself and find my way back? I don't know where I am. The bushman simply said, follow me. The bushman had a machete, and he is hacking through the forest. He is hacking through the weeds. And the missionary just follow him, and they stopped to rest for a little bit. The missionary didn't want to seem ungrateful, but he couldn't help but ask the question, um, Mister, I'm sorry. I don't see a path. Are you sure we're going in the right direction? And the bushman looked at him and said, In this place, there is no path. I am the path. We serve a God. And Jesus Christ, our Lord, who says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. I am the path. If you find yourself in a wilderness right now and whatever is going on, and I don't know what it is, but I serve a God who does. If you find yourself 
wondering, gosh, could this ever get any worse? Could everything, anything magnificent come from this? I'm here to tell you, we serve a God who is the way, the truth, and the life. He teaches us not just how to get through this life, but how to get to the next and have magnificent moments along the way. What I love is in that story, Pastor Blake was talking to me after the last service. And he said, I just got this picture because I can relate to this being the performance driven as well. He said, that guy, and he's got the machete and he's working so hard. He's working so hard to make his way through, working so hard to perform, working so hard to make everything right. When God is asking you, just drop it. Just drop it. Because God can do more with our deepest surrender than our greatest performance. If you're walking through a wilderness, know you can walk through it with Jesus when we let him lead us, when we let him define us, and when we let him fight for us. Here in a minute, we're going to close with a song. And if I'm not mistaken, this is the first time we've sang this song in this church. I'm going to ask you before they come up, start praying now. Because I believe the Holy Spirit is in this place. The Holy Spirit wants to get all up in our business. He wants to get personal. Because there are some here that are walking through a wilderness and you don't want to walk through it alone. Guess what? That's why we have Jesus, but that's also why we have the church family. The Bible says two is better than one. For if one falls down, someone has someone to pick him up. But pity the man who falls down has no one to pick him up. If you're walking through a wilderness, we don't want you to walk through it alone. We want you to come meet with Jesus. Come meet with him at the altar. Come, come, come meet with him and, and have a pastor pray with you. Don't walk through your wilderness alone. Walk with it through, with Jesus and your church family. Because Jesus is going to speak into a lot of our lives. If he hasn't already started today, he's going to use this song to speak into our hearts. Can I pray for you? Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for being a God who sets the example, the author and the perfecter of our faith, of what it looks like to walk through a wilderness, to be led by your spirit walking through the wilderness. And as we walk through that, God, let us not revert back to our flesh ways, our old self, but let us be led by the spirit every step of the way, every painful step of the way, knowing you are there with us and maybe sometimes even carrying us. God, I pray that we will just surrender. Surrender our control that we're trying to hold on to. Our performance that we're trying to make away for ourselves. Try to do it ourselves. I pray that we, we lay it right here at your altar. We lay it right here at your feet. God, I pray through the power of the Holy Spirit. That there are people walking in here and they're so tired. 
Give them an encouragement that you are fighting for them. That they are not defined by the things of this world, but they are defined by the living God. They are defined by you, the living God. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you've done. And Lord Jesus, thank you for what you're going to do. Holy Spirit, have your way. In Jesus' name I pray.